not so happy. Halloween after the 3-5 Cardinals fall 34-26 to the Minnesota Vikings from U.S. Bank Stadium Sunday. However, we're in costume, so we're going to make the best of it. Welcome into Morning Scramble presented by Verizon. For those of you that are live streaming with us on Twitter at AZ Cardinals, Thank you for joining us live. Be sure to let us know any comments or questions you have online, especially any comments you might have about our characters today. We have Q McCorvey, a.k.a. Frozone from The Incredibles. Jody Jackson, who is, I don't know the name because I don't watch scary movies, but I know it's from Scream, and I'm going to avoid looking at you today at all costs. And I'm Danny Serac. I'm a farmer today. How did you guys pick your costumes first and foremost? I mean, Frozen's the best superhero of all time. I mean, ever the probably the best movie scene of all time. Where is my super suit? And, I mean, I just had to buy into it. You look good. I like the shades, too. Thank you. It's I mean, nice. I'm going to keep them on all day. We'll see. Mine was kind of last minute, okay? So this was, in a frankly, in a storage little box somewhere, and it was kind of half crushed, so I spent the morning kind of popping it out, but... I don't know a lot about who this is or what it is, but I thought it was festive. I'm sorry, Danny. I, I could all scare you. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to laugh it off because I do not like scary things at all. Uh, unfortunately, though, the Cardinals had a bit of a scary game to a certain extent. They got down early and then took a 17-14 lead in the third quarter. Looked like maybe they were going to be able to get a win over the now 6-1 and Minnesota Vikings. However, it was self-inflicting wounds. It was a bit unusual the amount of turnovers that the Cardinals had because they had entered Sunday's game with a plus-5 turnover margin, which was fourth best in the NFL. However, committed three turnovers Sunday to the Vikings, and unfortunately, Minnesota took advantage and put points on the board after those turnovers. Jody, this defense scored, sorry, (laughs) this loss, how much of it stems from those turnovers because of Minnesota putting points on the board? Yeah, and by the way, I don't know how long I can keep this on. It was a little hot. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I'm going to continue for a little bit, but yeah, the turnovers are very uncharacteristic of this offense, and Kyler Murray in particular. But, guys, it was a topic this week and because they've been so good at it, and it was talked about by the media. The guys were asked about it, about taking care of the ball. And, you know, it, it is cyclical in the NFL. There are just games where, especially when you're looking to make something happen like that, and that's what Kyler was looking to do, both um, – you know, when you look at the pick to Robbie Anderson trying to throw that ball deep, he was getting hit. What are you doing? You're backed up. You're trying to make something happen. These are the times when those types of things do happen. And then the muffed punt, which was just horrible for Greg Dortch, you know, uh, horrible timing in the game. You know, a lot happened between the end of that third quarter and then the end of the game. And there were opportunities there to seize this game, to take this game. You know, like you said, Danny, they had a 17-14 lead, but then, you know, the Vikings came roaring back. Next thing you know, it's 28-17, but there were enough good things that happened, Um, and and I think we're all kind of wrestling with the fact that, yes, the defense gave up a lot of yards, and and the defense um, gave up 34 points, but, you know, Q, when you look at it, they were given a short field on those two turnovers. So I don't, I don't blame the defense. You know, 30 yard, they only had to go 30 yards after the pick, 25 yards after the muff punt. That's hard on a defense. So I don't know. That's how I rectify uh, the defensive side of it. But the turnovers, they absolutely hurt. And you just can't have that. You can't have that in this league. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, we're missing the big plays on offense. And that's one thing that I've, Cliff said at his presser yesterday, that we're just missing those explosive plays. I don't know if it's... 
Kyler's arm because it seems a little off too. Kyler's arm seems a little off, and he's just underthrowing a lot of balls this season. It's kind of a little eerie. Uh, but again, the defense stepped up. They got two turnovers. I mean, or was it one? Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah, Simmons. Simmons. Isaiah that was a yeah. huge play. Huge play. Huge play. Um, so that's short field, but we couldn't capitalize on it. Uh, and <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. It's a little warm in there. Ooh. Oh, there she is. It's just me. But yeah. Much prettier. Boring now. Boring. <laughs> but we couldn't capitalize off of the Isaiah Simmons and settle for a field goal. I mean, it's those little things and ex- missing those explosive plays. And then losing Hollywood Brown is one of the big reasons. And then having DeAndre Hopkins not at the same field at the same time. But then you get Robbie Anderson. We didn't see much out of him yesterday. I mean, the no. one play that we really saw out of him was the Kyler pick. And it was obviously he was in the back of his end zone or in his own end zone, getting hit and just had to let the ball fly and ended up underthrowing it. But we're missing those explosive plays, and I think that's the kind of biggest thing that we have to figure out. It was interesting that that we didn't see more of Robbie Anderson now that he had almost two weeks under his belt with this team learning the game book, and that was kind of the expectation was Mm -hmm. to have him there for those big plays. I agree with you, Q. I don't know if it's Kyler Murray's execution alone, if it has to do with trust, if it has to do with communication on the routes, it seems like those deep balls that Kyler is can can really make and made a lot last year have been underthrown. The only one I can really think of where it was overthrown was at home to Hollywood Brown, and he was double teamed, and that one was picked off. But it does seem like those big throws have not been there connection-wise. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, that's one of the things that Kyle Murray's been always excelled at is his feet outside the pocket and his big throws and his arm. And it's kind of eerie that we're not seeing that. I do wonder if it's a good thing or a bad thing that this team is clearly relying on DeAndre Hopkins. I see it as a good thing because he is a superstar and he makes those contested throws Almost every time, it's a guarantee if you throw it to D-Hop. He had 12 catches for 159 yards and a touchdown. He didn't have a single game last season where he surpassed 100 receiving yards, and he's now 2-for-2 this year. Q, is that okay if this offense is strictly relying on Hopkins, or is that not sustainable? I mean, obviously, we saw yesterday it's not sustainable. I mean, D-Hop can have his best game over here and still can't get the win. So, I mean, you got to open up the door for other people. I mean, we didn't see much of Greg Dorch in the offense. We didn't see we saw a lot of Rondale Moore, which is very pleasant to see. Um, but A.J. Green was out there for a lot and we saw that one breakup pass in the end zone. But then I don't think Kyler really went back to him anymore. Um, Zach Ertz and DeAndre Hopkins cannot be the sole source of this offense. So, um, we got to figure it out and got to open up the door for I mean, other people. It's amazing that thanks to D Hop's big mitt, this team was in it at the half. You know that one play. I mean, they were really they were outgained, they were outplayed in a lot of ways. That's what he does. He changes the game. And and to me, you know, look, we we talk about this each week and kind of the flow of the game, and it ends up coming down to the end, and we wonder about the slow starts. But the the first half, a lot of times, is a feeling out process. And so it was fourteen to ten, and you kind of. You're like, okay, it's the basis for the drama that's going to unfold in the second half. And so, but if not for that touchdown from D-Hop, they're not even really in it at the half at that point. It's much, much of a bigger mountain to climb. But um, he's absolutely the focal point. I think what also hurt is not being able to run the ball. And the big thing for me was the lack of O-line experience and cohesion and look, we all know teams in the NFL go through injuries, but to not have Rodney Hudson, which is, is not new, 
and Justin Pugh, also not new. Adding DJ Humphreys to the mix yesterday, that hurt. He's been in there. He's a guy that has been so reliable um, for this team. And so two-fifths of your O-line is, you know, from the starting group back in training camp, and now you're, you're having other guys have to fill in, you know. And I know Kyler absolved him of any blame, but Billy Price and that miscommunication with the snap when you had the chance to go down and score a touchdown, you only get the field goal, so you lose four points there. Um, you know, that was tough. Again, one play, but difficult. And it's just tough sledding, and I think speaking to your point, Danny, of why things look out of sorts, Kyler looks out of sorts, I think it is the fact that he doesn't have that comfort level with the O-line, and for whatever reason, the communication isn't going as smoothly as it did last year. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, that's another reason why we're not missing those big plays. He feels pressured in the pocket and can't really set his feet, settle in the pocket, and really sure. launch the ball. So that could be another reason. And I mean, you also didn't mention Max Garcia, who isn't a starting offensive mm-hmm. lineman, but he's the next backup, and you miss him also next this week. So it's kind of like we're really down to our second and third strings and our whole entire starting lineup for our offensive line. Right. So center Ronnie Hudson's been dealing with a knee, which is why he was out. It was a second game for center Billy Price to go in as your starter. They had left guard Cody Ford in, which was his second game because he was on IR to start the season with an ankle injury. And left tackle DJ Humphreys was out with a back injury, and I believe he'd only missed one other game since 2019. So your offensive line was dealing with its fair share of adversity. Kyler Murray was sacked four times, although when you have a player like Kyler Murray who can extend the play with his legs, those sacks don't necessarily fall entirely in the offensive line when he is extending plays. But the Cardinals could not get that run game going. Kyler Murray was the top rusher with just 36 yards. It seemed like the Vikings defensive line was just controlling the offensive line for the Cardinals the entire game. The pressure, there were no holes for the running backs. Eno Benjamin, how many rushing yards? 26. 26 rushing yards. It was just... The run game was not there. There wasn't that balance. Post game, Kyler Murray said that the offense, it doesn't feel like things are tough, which is how he described it after the loss in Seattle. So I'm just curious of if the Cardinals offense was moving the chains and they were scoring points, why were they still so out of sync? Yeah, that's the question. That's I think that's question, what everyone's right? kind of waiting to ask. I mean, we need the answer. I mean, we are moving the ball or scoring points, but like, why can't we? get into the end zone and why are the little things holding us back I mean we that game was very winnable yesterday and once again couldn't finish yeah two possessions late couldn't finish and I think that's also again <laughs> I get to give the defense a pass but when they needed them they forced two punts in the last six minutes and 43 seconds so as much as they had given up ground all game long they were able to do that to give the offense that chance and I think that's the next step for this offense and that's what we've seen that's where the term Murray magic came from Right, these late game heroics. And to be honest, every good team, every good offense, every good quarterback has those moments. You have to be able to score in that final six minutes, four minutes, two minutes. And they had the two chances and couldn't get it done. But I think that's the big question, Danny. And no one seems to to know. And that's what's difficult right now to to take. And at three and five, time is running out in terms of getting things under control and turning things around was still a chance to at least win the division and make the playoffs. The defense we were talking before we got on air is that maybe we've been too nice because the expectations going into this year was it was going to be an offense-heavy team. Your defense was going to have to do just enough because the Cardinals are relying on so much young depth. However, it's been the defense that has carried this team. This was not a great game for them. 
they allowed a 100-plus yard rusher for the first time this season in Dalvin Cook, who finished with 111 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Wide receiver Justin Jefferson, 98 receiving yards. Cardinals defense gave up five touchdowns. Jody, was Sunday's performance defensively poor by the Cardinals, or was it more that the Vikings offense was executing so well? I think it was the Vikings offense executing, and um, you saw that especially in the first half. Um, I think they actually could have had more than the 14 points that they had, but you know, it started in the trenches, Danny, for me. And and Justin Jefferson, even though he did have the 98 yards, you know, he he didn't have a touchdown. He didn't have he had some impactful plays, especially the third and five. You know, that was obviously a backbreaker for this team in the second half. Um, him converting there, but I think it, it started in the trenches again, and really both sides of the ball. But unfortunately. Um, they were able to that offensive line and we know they had no injuries coming in that was one of the topics all week they had their guys up front and defensively you know the Cardinals are not as banged up as a, on the line as you could say on the O-line but you know you still miss Lawrence um, but I, again I feel like because this defense wasn't expected to um, do as well maybe as they are doing and there wasn't a lot of hype around them. They're kind of holding their own, in my opinion. I think that we do give them maybe a little bit more of a pass. But, yeah, a lot of the, you know, it, it felt like the Vikings could do whatever they wanted in that first half, and yet it was 14-10. to 10. So, again, um, I look at when you look at how the game was finished, how the, that last 10 minutes went, I thought the defense did their job. Yeah, so. I agree. And then I think that's a, one of the, like you said, Danny, it's one of the biggest things is stopping the run. And when Dalvin Cook starts very high, it opens up play action, and you have to watch out for the run all game. And that's one thing that we hadn't have really had to worry about. We've played some great running backs this season so far, and they've stopped the run. And then that limits what they can do on the offense. But with Dalvin Cook starting off hot, you open up the game for pass, pass plays, play action plays, running plays, and we, we're just on our the back of our heels all game. So um, – I think that was the biggest thing that we really lost and why Justin Jefferson was able to get open so much and why Dalvin Cook was able to break outside. And he ran a lot outside, and we were not able to set the edge. So, I mean, the defense, I mean, got to figure it out. I will say, I thought that Kirk Cousins played well. I think about that play. I can't think off the top of my head the receiver, but Antonio Hamilton was on coverage. And he Hamilton had good coverage. It was just a perfectly thrown ball by Cousins. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. yeah, Jefferson caught that. But you're, you're right. Kirk Cousins, he's a we, we don't, we don't really, People around the league don't really talk about <laughs> no. Kirk Cousins. I don't want to talk about Kirk. And, and the primetime thing always comes up, right? He's 0 for whatever. I think it's almost double digits now in like primetime. I had someone this week tell me in one of my previews that I was doing, you know, well, it's not a primetime game, so he's okay. You yeah. know, like it's just that's become his, his thing. But he's, he's a solid quarterback and it is more of a game manager role because they have a solid running game but you know he made a couple of deep throws I mean he's able to make throws he's able to make plays and we even saw him run I think he rushed <laughs> for more yards than everybody but Kyler so yeah I mean he had he does what's see. necessary to, he to had 22 game. rushing yards yeah. which was how many Eno Benjamin had second highest the, rusher for the Cardinals the yeah so yes. that was what was a little shocking but hey you know it's <laughs> yeah, 17-yard rush touchdown. It's not always pretty, but he got it done. Yeah, it's that, and I think that's the thing around the league that people are wondering, right? Like Kyler Murray has so much talent with his arm, with his legs, and yet 
some of these other quarterbacks and, you know, I'm not certainly not disrespecting Kirk Cousins, but even some of the lesser known quarterbacks are coming up with highlight plays, big finishes. And, and people are wondering what's going on. Now, it's certainly not all on Kyler, but I think what we do see is, you know, even though he's still young in this game, maybe you want to see a little bit more of a veteran presence, a, ve- a savviness to the game and what's happening at the end of the game in particular to make some of those things happen. Um, because some of those Murray Magic moments were very unscripted and things that, you know, didn't necessarily happen as a result of um, great awareness at the end of the game, maybe just a great play that happened. And so that's that's that next step for him. I'm wondering if the reason we are lacking those is because I don't know if the confidence is there. And I don't just mean from Kyler Murray. I mean from this team as a whole. You're now eight games into the season, and every player on that offense and in that coaching staff will tell you that they have not played a single game to their standard. As a team, they haven't played a game of complimentary football to their standard. So I'm wondering if those Murray magic moments that we have seen in the past that we haven't seen this year is simply because of the confidence and maybe lack thereof from this team as a whole. Now, the challenge from our perspective is we don't know how much of the lack of execution comes from simply the players on the field or play calling communication between the coaching staff and the players out on the field. Kyler Murray was wearing a wristband, though, for the first time in his career with those plays, I think, trying to help that miscommunication. Did it work? I don't know. <laughs> that was something leading up. There was really no – that was something that was just seen on game day. Right. right? So that's that's interesting. At least they're trying shows, something new. Yeah, absolutely shows an effort. Um, again, no fault to the effort out there. I think it more just is to that cohesion, and, and there is preparation, obviously. You had – you know, both these teams came in pretty rested, not not healthy for the Cardinals. That hurt, Q. But, like, you know, I think you mentioned the big plays, and, and that's the hard part is when you're not feeling, and you, and you mentioned confidence, Danny, when you're not feeling like you can do the simple things, it's hard to yeah, go for the, the deep dogs, shot. Yeah. And, and But it's but that's a big problem. Yeah. I think there's a, a graphic that problem. went out that we were the least healthy team in the league, and I think they were the second healthiest team in the league coming into that game. So does play a part. And yet again, had a chance to win it. That's what, that's what hurts so many of these games, Eagles game. You know, and that's why the Seahawks game coming up is just another. I think we felt like the Saints was a must win and then this is really that same must yeah. win to get back into the division because it is possible. That is my hot cake take, which we will get into now, is that hope is a good thing and there is hope for this Cardinals team. They had chances to win this game. It was self-inflicting wounds. It was the turnovers penalties, miscommunication, thinking back to that snap when the Cardinals could have taken it in for a touchdown. That is why they could not pull off this win. I believe that there is enough foundation offensively, especially when you are healthy and you have DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, James Conner back in the backfield, and also the way Eno Benjamin has played. I know he, I don't know if he didn't have a great game because of him or because of the lack of places for him to run. There really weren't a lot of holes made by the offensive line. I believe that there is enough foundation offensively that this Cardinals team, especially when healthy, can be explosive and can win games and can dominate. They haven't done that yet. I do think a lot of this now is a lack of confidence, like you were touching on, Jody, of they're not doing the small things consistently well, and that affects the confidence when you're looking for those big game-changing plays. However, I believe there is enough hope at three and five, that this Cardinals team, at least on the offense, can still turn things around. Yeah, I mean, you have three straight divisional games coming up, and we play 
home against the Seahawks and then go to L.A., who has been struggling very badly recently. And then we play a home game in Mexico City against the 49ers. So, I mean, you win these next three games, you're sitting at the top of the division. So there's a lot of hope. And so, Danny, what you're saying is this team is going to be okay. I'm not going to take your hot cake take. I will leave that for you. From from what you just said, it sounds like you said. I'm just saying there is hope. I'm not going to take your hot cake take. When I hear it from Frozone, I feel better about it. See, exactly. This seems (laughs) like I'm like, okay, all right, all right, let's jump on board here. I'm not, I'm just saying. That's why I took that face off because that was just, that was too much doom. No hope there. It was was not a look of hope. It was not a look of hope. You guys look much more like hope. So I don't know if I look like hope. But what is your hot cake take, Q? I'm gonna take it out of your mouth, Danny. I think <laughs> this team's gonna be okay if they can figure out. They have the like we like you said. They have the foundation. Defense has the foundation. They're creating turnovers every single game. Offense has that foundation. You get Robbie Anderson more inclined to the game, and then getting Greg Dortch and Rondale Moore. It was beautiful to see Rondale Moore into this offense this this week. But if this team can continue to build off that foundation in these next three weeks, and somehow quiet the Seahawks team who has been very hot recently and then go into LA which we have in the last three times we've played there or two times we played there have two very different results but if we can get on top of them early and then go to Mexico City and beat this 49ers team that has been I mean with getting Christian McCaffrey has been a definitely interesting aspect for them but I think we can definitely beat them as well you win these next three games you're at the top of the division going into week 12 so um, I think this team is going to be okay if they can lay that foundation. That's the hot cake. I love the consistency of the hot cake takes that this team is going to be okay. Just an optimist. You are. I'm no, I appreciate it. We need, we need it on a morning Just like a this. Bit. Jody, what's Man, your hot cake I, take? I hate to bring everybody down. Ah, but Jody, put the mask back <laughs> on. Yeah. Like, put I'm the like mask those, back on, I'm Jody. like those hot cakes. That, should I put it on? Should I put it <laughs> yes, back on the finish? Yes, it seems you don't have to put it on. Just put I don't it on. End on like a doom and gloom, but like it's like the hotcakes that have been kind of sitting out, and they're they're cold and soggy. Hard. The McDonald's ones. The McDonald's soggy ones. and then hard on the edges. You just don't want it. But let me go with this to end it here on Halloween. Um, <laughs> ooh, the good news is I can see now, so it's, you know. But okay, so here's my thing, Q. I do love the optimism, and Danny, to your point, three and five in the NFC is not certainly a death knell, but. They haven't done a lot to inspire me to have that confidence in them. They haven't really earned it, in my opinion, offensively at least. So my hot cake take is a little bit all over the place, but I'll start with the fact that, you know, when you look at finishing a game and being able to finish, being able to make things happen, you, it ended on two sacks. Okay, and then there were key plays on offense. When you're looking for four yards, you get three on the play to Eno Benjamin. We talked about the drop snap. These are things that can't happen. And as I've said multiple times here on the Scramble, a lot of it comes down to young and inexperienced players in big moments. Even, you know, not to, not to pile on Eno, but again, the blindside block. I mean, Trey McBride with some penalties. You're relying on some young guys. And I think a lot of people, especially nationally, they look at this team, they see D-Hop, they see J.J. Watt. They think, wow, veteran team. But they're not. They're relying on a lot of young players in tough spots. And you're going to have mistakes. So they have to cut that down. Can it get better? Yes. You're eight games in. There's nine to go. That can get better. And, you know, maybe you have to face the fact that you're missing Rodney Hudson. We don't know how, how that knee is looking, if it's going to get better or not. You know you've lost Justin Pugh for the season. They sorely miss these veteran offensive linemen. 
how do you compensate, right? So for me, the missing pieces, you have to find a way to somehow overcome all of that, cut down the mistakes, continue improving week to week, because I think this past week was a little bit of regression, right, with the mistakes. And when I watch the film today, it is, it is not going to be pretty. It is not going to be fun. It's going to be like watching me right now. <laughs> and when they watch film, audience right when, now with this. When they watch film, Hard Knocks is Ooh. now going to be all over the building because that first episode releases Wednesday, November 9th. That's so right. that's something as that well. That's coming like next week. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean that accountability, I mean, I think the accountability's been there. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to make mistakes like this. I'll end on a positive note. Good things we saw. D-Hop once again. Yeah. Rondell Moore had his own drive, right? Two huge plays. That touchdown, he broke three tackles. He was unbelievable. Continue doing that. Continue finding ways to get him involved. And then Isaiah Simmons with another great play. So, and, and J.J. Watt had a pair of sacks. And There are positive things. There's no question about it. But in crunch time, this offense cannot, you cannot end the game with two possessions thanks to your defense forcing punts. And having that chance to come back and make something happen and end it with confusion and chaos and two sacks with the Vikings taking down Kyler Murray. Absolutely not acceptable. As we wrap up this edition of Morning Scramble, let's bring home the bacon. I will let the two of you quickly go first because I selfishly want to save mine for last. So, Jody, I'll let you start off. Bring home the bacon. Wrap us up. Bring home the bacon. On this Halloween, <laughs> it's all about eating as much candy as you possibly can. Love it. No, I, I yeah, I kind of blew through my bacon, uh, to be honest, in the hot cake take, so. That's fine, you don't have any room for bacon. You filled up on the hot cakes. That's right, it's early, have some M&Ms, and uh, continue working. Yeah, I mean, my bacon, just continue to build, like you said. I mean, they have the foundation, and they, if they wanna get anywhere in these next three weeks, they have to continue to build, and they cannot regress anymore. And the mistakes and the penalties, they have to be cleaned up. My bring home the bacon is I don't truly believe there is bad Halloween candy. Now, mm-hmm. if I have my options, if I have my options, am I going for the Almond Joys or the Twix? No, I'm going to go for You're something else. Twix and Almond Joy in the same category. I'm just saying like bottom tier. <laughs> I don't Coconut like those. Universal. I'm just saying <laughs> the sunglasses for Frozen are on and the <laughs> arms are crossed and he has shut down his iPad and I'm sure he is giving me a side eye. I'm just saying that I'm not picky. Now, are there like bottom tier candies? Yes. And what are those? Give me three bottom tier candies. Probably Almond Joy Dots. Oh, Dots! I don't, I don't like. And those. maybe Milk Duds because I don't like that they stick to my teeth. Chewy, yeah. Chewy. What about you? I can't Chewy? see if you're looking at me or not, but I know you're glaring at me because <laughs> I can feel the attitude in the eye air. Contact right now. What do you got on bottom tier candy? I would probably say those three. Okay, so the what is the you problem here? You put Almond Joys and Twix in the cat, same category before, and it really offended. I was just okay. I'm Twix sorry. Are, Twix are they're not in the same category, but Twix are not my favorite. Right, Twix they're probably Twix. middle. Twix are so good. It's chocolate with the crunch of the. I know, Ooh, but I would never go you. for it Thank on my own. So, bottom line is, just eat a lot of candy, get on that sugar high to feel that optimism that Q feels every week about this Cardinals team. Uh, it's an important stretch for the Cardinals. Next three games are all divisional. Q touched on it at home against Seattle, who the Cardinals have already lost to this season. In L.A., whom the Cardinals have already lost to this season. And then the home game in Mexico City against the 49ers. That'll be the first time the Cardinals face off against San Francisco. With a 3-5 and five record, Cardinals are just two games back from Seattle in first place. So if you can take advantage of these games, start getting divisional wins 
under your belt because it's not just overall record. You have to look at those divisional records as well when it comes to that final stretch in the regular season to making the playoffs. Three very important games for the Cardinals. Hoping they can turn things around as consistently as Q says that this team will be okay. We will consistently be here, the Morning Scramble crew, the day after every game. So be sure to join us. Thank you if you're listening on the podcast. Thank you if you're streaming live with us on Twitter at AZ Cardinals. For Q McCorvey, Frozone. For Jody Jackson, Scary Scream. I'm Danny Sarek, the farmer. Thanks so much for tuning in to Morning Scramble. We'll catch you all here next time.